Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Moses and the Lord as we pick up in Exodus chapter 33, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Chapter 33, that we might continue our study through the Word of God. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people which you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. Now, at this point, Moses and the Lord are having an argument on who these people really are. Neither of them want to claim them. When God was speaking with Moses there on Mount Sinai, in the previous chapter, the Lord said unto Moses, verse 7, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Then in verse 11, as Moses responds, Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt? And so neither one wishing to claim them at this point, and no wonder they are forsaking the law and the ways of God. And uh, they had made the golden calf. They were worshiping it. They were violating the commandments of God. And so God had more or less disowned them and said, they're your people. And Moses disowned them and said, God, you're your people. You're the one that brought them out of Egypt and all. So the Lord, in beginning of chapter 33, this little thing continues with Moses and the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up from here, thou and the people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt. So uh, God's handing them back to Moses at this place. And unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto the land that is flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee. God said, all right, now you take the people you go, I'm going to send an angel because I'm not going to go up in the midst of thee. Now, In reality, people misunderstand God so often, they read this as a harshness on God's part, as God being very hard on Moses and on the people. But in reality, it's a sign of God's grace as we read the reason for God not going up or not desiring to go up. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. In other words, because of the fact that they are so stiff-necked, because of the fact that they are so rebellious and so prone towards sin, God said, I'm not going to go up in the midst of thee, lest actually by that very holiness of God the people be consumed for their sinfulness. And so rather than being a, a thing of judgment on God's part, it was a thing of grace. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned 
and no man put on his ornaments. They, they left their jewelry off. They were mourning before God. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle. Now this is not the tabernacle that was to be built. This is prior to the actual building of the tabernacle. So the word means the place of meeting. And it was that place where they had met God prior to the building of the tabernacle, which we'll find in a few chapters. And he pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. So they took the place of meeting, the place where the people met God, and from the midst, now the people were before this sort of all circled around this place of the meeting of God, the tribes in each order all around it. And now they remove it and they put it completely outside of the camp, meaning that the people have to now come outside of the camp in order to meet God. Now there is an interesting spiritual sequel in this, in that Jesus, crucified outside of the city of Jerusalem, people have to come out of Judaism to meet with God through Jesus Christ. They can no longer meet with God through the, the system of Judaism, but outside of Judaism. Now a new covenant that God established, the covenant that was established with Israel being disannulled because of the people's failure to abide by that covenant. So having abolished the old covenant, God has now established a new covenant which is outside of the Judaism itself. And so to meet with God, it is necessary to come out. For the Jew, it is necessary for him to come out from Judaism and to meet God outside of a national kind of a relationship. Now the relationship to God is available to every man. There is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we must all come to God now through Jesus Christ. And that is outside of the, of the camp, really, uh, of Israel itself. And so it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked at Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. 
And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. So Moses pitched the tabernacle outside of the camp. God said, I'll not dwell in the midst of you, lest I consume you. So he took the place of meeting outside of the camp. Moses went outside and entered into this tabernacle. And when he did, the people standing in their tent doors and watching saw this pillar that had been leading them descend to the door of that tabernacle, the presence of God, symbolic really of God's presence with them. And as they saw this phenomena, they all began to worship God there in their own tent doors. Now, of course, Moses was there making intercession once again for the people. We read down just a little bit further as Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory, verse 18. And he said, I will make all my goodness to pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. So when Moses talked to God face to face, it doesn't mean that he was looking at God face to face. But there was just such a, a complete and total communication between God and Moses. It was just like a dialogue rather than a monologue. I mean, he would talk to God, God would speak right back to him. But he did not actually see the face of God. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us that no man hath seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has manifested him. So, uh, in comparing Scripture with Scripture, we realize that Moses did not actually look upon the face of God because here in the very chapter it says, no man can see God's face and live. It is interesting that in every vision that men had of God, the brilliance of God was such that it was just like looking at a sun so in looking at the brightness of that outshining glory of God, there, there could not actually uh, be any form that could be described or drawn. Just in seeing God, there was just that brightness of His glory. That's all they could see. No, no form at all. But Moses had such communication with God that it was just a conversation with the Lord. Now in this, I, I am envious. I wish that I had a clear communication with, well, I wish he had a clear communication with me. I think my communication with him is fairly clear. But I oftentimes have difficulty understanding the voice of God as he speaks to me. Sometimes I think God has spoken and he hasn't. 
It was just something out of my own mind. It was just something that I had thought. You say, well, how do you know that? Because it worked out so miserably. And then there were other times when I didn't know if it was the Lord or not that was speaking to me. And then as it turned out, I found out it was. And I wish that I had followed up on the impulse. Or I wish I would have said something about it. I, I wish I would have said, you know what the Lord has shown me? And I wish I would have shared it with someone so they'd know that, man, I really was tuned in for once. And so many times it is only after the fact that I realize that, oh, that was God speaking to me. I have never had the experience of God speaking to me in an audible voice. I have had the experience of the Lord speaking to me in such a definite, positive way that I knew immediately it was God. There was no doubt about it, and, and I, just, I just knew it. I was aware of it. I was conscious of it. There was no question. But so many times, there is sort of a question about it. I don't know. There are, there are strange things that happen. I, I, I can't explain them. Impressions that you get. And, and you, you don't know the origin. I was sitting at a Rose Bowl game, and we were down in the area of the end zone, and SC was down in our territory, going the other direction. And I said to the friend that I was with, and of course my voice carries, my, vo my wife always tells me to talk softer because my voice does carry. And I said, watch this next play. Anthony Davis is going all the way in one play around left end. <laughs> the next play, they gave the ball to Anthony Davis. He went around left end and all the way for a touchdown. <laughs> and everybody around me turned and looked at me, you know. <laughs> and then they started saying, tell us something else. Now, I don't, I just, I just had an impression. I just saw it in my mind. I just had an impression and said it. How is it that it followed? I don't know. Was it just coincidence? Perhaps. Because surely God wouldn't be interested in a Rose Bowl game. <laughs> or would he? <laughs> It'd be interesting to have that kind of power and go to the racetrack. I don't advocate it. You're liable to lose everything. You find out God isn't talking to you. But God's speaking with man. God has spoken to man. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spoken to our fathers by the prophets. Different ways, different times. God has spoken to man. It's always exciting to realize that God has spoken to us. But he has in this, these last days spoken unto us by his own dear son. Now, God has spoken to each of us by Jesus Christ. The clearest revelation that any of us can receive of God 
is by Jesus Christ. He has spoken unto us by his own dear Son. And that is why I do not feel that God speaking to me by an angel would be so important or really meaningful in that he has already spoken to me by his own dear Son. It is interesting that nowhere in the New Testament do I read after the resurrection of Jesus Christ that angels came to really communicate the revelation of God to man. That came to us through Jesus Christ. Now, the angel did come to Paul on the ship and instructed him concerning things that were going to take place, the shipwreck and so forth. But... Um, no revelation of doctrine. So Moses had this experience of speaking to God in a very direct way. And God answering him, a conversational way. And, and it, this has been unparalleled. No other man has had this experience of, of, of being on such a conversational basis with God. God speaks of it later on as sort of an exclusive thing. With no other man has there been that conversational basis in, in such a complete, clear way as it was with Moses. So Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, Moses said, look, you said you're going to send an angel, but you've never even introduced me to him. Someone I don't even know. Now, you tell me that you know me by my name. You tell me that I have found grace in your sight. Now you're trying to pass off an angel on me. When I have this kind of a relationship with you, I don't want an angel. Why settle for second best? Why settle for something less than God himself? You say you know me by my name. You say I found grace. All right, then don't send the angel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Quit trying to put them off on me. And God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. So that which Moses was looking for, the presence of God, for he recognized the need of the presence of God. He knew what God could do. He wasn't sure what the angels could do. And knowing the power of the presence of God, he didn't want to accept any substitute. And Moses said unto God, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not from here. In other words, if your presence doesn't go with me, Lord, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave here. I don't want to leave without your presence. And that is perhaps about the wisest thing that Moses could ever do, is just stick right where he was unless he had God's presence going with him. You're foolish to venture anywhere apart from the presence of God. You're foolish to venture out in your own, on your own, 
We need the presence of God wherever we go. If your presence doesn't go with me, then Lord, don't send me from here. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that in you go with us? How are you going to prove that we found grace? Only by your presence with us, actually. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I do know you by name. And he said, I beseech thee. Moses has things going for him. God's agreed to a couple issues, so Moses is going to press it now. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee and will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 33 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the good hand of our Lord be upon you lead and to guide you in his way, that you might walk in his love, that you might be filled with his spirit, and that you might discover what is God's plan for your life. And may the Lord speak to you, and may you be very sensitive so that you begin to understand the voice of the Lord, that you might be led by the Spirit of God. God bless you and keep you in his love. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? If this less-than-perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, 
available to every Christian woman today. Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.